Good morning. Curtis, I hope you didn't use that folding joke when you talked to Nav uh, Martina Navratilova. That would have been a little awkward. Or, or the other one, either one, but thank you. Um, let's pray. Lord, uh, how majestic is your name? How powerful is your word? Uh, how privileged we are uh, to be here this morning to speak about your name and your word to proclaim your grace and your mercy to us. We ask you, Lord, to bless this time together. Uh, just uh, minister to our hearts uh, in, in this time. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So um, Bruce told me um, last year, he said, you know, you're going to be a, you're an ever, forever member of Sunrise, right? So, so uh, yeah, I was out for, I've been out for a while. And, and so last week I came back in and I didn't have a name tag and, uh, I wasn't, and, and, and I was not on the list. I had to, I had, I had to write in, you know, I had to write in my name and yeah. And so thanks Bruce. And, and, and so then this morning he said, you know, this podcast thing, he said, you, you, you're going to be going out to 9 billion with a B, you know, 9 billion people. I'm thinking, Oh, great. Yeah. So uh, the subscriptions may drop after, after this morning, I don't know, but, uh, but it is a privilege to be here. Uh, I, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and share. Uh, I do love this church, uh, and, and we have been here, uh, my wife and I, about six years, my kids about 10 years. And uh, we absolutely do love this church. And, and so uh, just thinking about you guys, uh, the, the Apostle Peter closing out his first epistle. And he says of Silvanus, of Silas, he says, He is a faithful brother as I regard him. So when we think about each other, uh, that, that is, you know, may we have that same regard for each other. As we grow in grace and as we grow in in uh, in mercy in the mercy of Christ, so I have a question for you guys. Uh, Tom Sheehan is not here this morning. Uh, he would answer this question, but let's say you're in an equipped class or you're in a life group or in a Bible study, and somebody asks you a question. Right. By the way, if your name is Mike, raise your hand. Yeah, good. So Ben was looking for the mics earlier. And, and so I just wanted to show him where they were. Anyway, anyway it, so somebody asked you a question. <laughs> somebody asked you a question, what's the obvious safe answer in a Bible study or in a, in a, in a, in a format like this? Amen. Jesus is always the safe answer, right? The obvious answer. So when you're asked a question in a, in a group study like that, uh, that's the answer. Well, when you're asked to speak uh, to a group of men who are known, right, for living out their testimonies in real ways, in purposeful ways, in prayerful ways, you know, what is the obvious safe topic to talk about, right? Jesus. <laughs> So, so that's what we're going to do today, and 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 uh, I, I want to, uh, I, you know, I want to talk about First Peter. We've been in First and Second Peter for some time now. Uh, we we did a study on Thursday nights in a, in a in a Bible study we do there, and then 
We, we're in the middle of that in the men's equip class on Sundays. On Thursdays, we're now in the second Peter. So we've been, we've been in that for a while. And um, while Peter was writing to congregations in the northern provinces of first century uh, uh, Roman Empire, it's striking how relevant his message is, not only for those Christians in the first century, but for us. So what I want to do uh, to, today is, is just bring uh, some, some points to you from First Peter that we can uh, see relevance and apply God's word to, to our uh, life. And uh, the, the primary verse is going to be First Peter 1, 13. Uh, Peter says, therefore, preparing your minds for action uh, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So since Peter was a fisherman by trade, and where's Ford? Ford, where you at? Ford, you got the clock. So Ford's job usually is to give me the signal when we run, when I'm running to the end, right? Because, so Ford, you got the, you got the clock. Um, so since Peter was a fisherman by trade, I thought it would be fitting for me to share with you guys a fishing story, okay? How many of y'all fishermen in here? Yeah. So back in the day, as Curtis mentioned, my wife Joy and I have been married for 44 years. We started dating about three months after my 16th birthday. Point being that I grew up with her family. Uh, her brother, her older brother, is eight years older than me, and he is like my big brother, y'all. I mean, we were tight when we lived close to each other. We're still tight today. And one of the things that we loved to do was fish. So anytime we were off, we'd go fishing. And I lived in uh, northwest Georgia, so we had access to Lake Chickamauga, Nickajack Reservoir, Tennessee River, all of that. And we had some really, really good places to fish. Uh, and we loved doing it. The problem was we were a little short on gear, right? Uh, we didn't have a lot of money and, you know. We had this 1968 Ford Ranch Wagon. I don't know if y'all remember those things. Thing was white and it had, you know, we'd fold down the seats. <clears throat> we'd fold down the tailgate and we'd put our 10 foot John boat in the back. You know, we were really good redneck, you know, guys. So we'd put our John boat in the back and then off we'd go to, to wherever, right? And so one day we, we headed to Nick Jack, and we had a, found a spot where we could drive down, and we could drag the boat down to the water, put it in, and, and I didn't mention we did not have a motor, right? We had two oars, <laughs> two paddles. Nick and Jack Lake is 46 miles, you know, big, <laughs> and he got all these, you know, boat lanes and all this stuff. Anyway, it's a big place, and we're out there in this 10-foot John boat with two oars, you know, and uh, we paddle out from the bank, and we're, out, we're having this great time. And, and also Jack, my brother-in-law's name is Jack. He couldn't, he couldn't swim, still can't today. <clears throat> so uh, we're out there fishing. We're having a great time. We're catching fish, man. Uh, a lot of them, you know, bluegill and that, big's my hand. And uh, we're having a big time. And what we don't notice is this big, huge storm front that's coming uh, up the river. Big black clouds, big wind and all. We're out there fishing, man. We don't, we, we're not looking. 
And it really didn't hit us until the rain started pelting us and the thunder and lightning started and we looked up and now we're a really good ways from where we put in and paddled out to fish. And uh, so we start paddling like crazy, get back to the bank. And we did make it. Uh, we, we got our John boat uh, packed back up into our station wagon and, and we made it home. But the point is that we, we did not, uh, until the rain and the wind and all that hit us, we did not take notice of what was going on around us. And not only, you know, until that happened, we didn't take notice and we didn't take action, right? So, so that's what the, the, the point of today is, that we take action and we notice what's going on around us. And that's part of the message of, of Peter to us. In chapter 4, uh, and also making a, 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 a first Peter and writing to the first century church, um, it was a time when the faith, when the church was maligned, it was marginalized, it was dismissed and ignored. Uh, and that is particularly relevant to us today when our culture and our society has marginalized, marginalized the faith uh, and has uh, and totally ignores us in the public square. Uh, and in a lot of cases, we're seen as dangerous. Uh, because we don't agree with what our culture says. And so um, Peter says in chapter 4 and verse 4, he says that we're maligned when we don't join in with the unbelievers' flood of debauchery. I love that term, the flood of debauchery. In other words, guys, we're different. We're different because we're in Christ. And that makes a difference. And so Peter has this motif going of suffering and glory. And he picks this up from Paul in Philippians, the humiliation, exaltation theme of Jesus. That Jesus is our example. He came to earth and he suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, right? And he, and he was our example so that we too suffer for the name of Christ. And in order that later we realize and share in his glory. And so that's the message that's going on, not only to the first century church, but to us. The, we have a different focus. We have a different vision. Our vision is not centered on living a life that's all about us, all about our, as Peter says, our human passions. You know, and that word's translated evil desires. <laughs> We don't follow our sinful natures. We, we, we focus on Christ. We focus on, on that uh, reality. When Peter talks about the world maligning us, you know, sinners love company. And our fallen nature, we want to bring others into our practice of debauchery because we want others to confirm that what we're doing is okay and that it's right. It's, that's our nature. And Peter says, once we're in Christ, we don't do that anymore. We're different, right? We're serving a different master. We're not serving ourselves. The word flood, this term flood of debauchery, um, it means unrestrained torrent, uncontrolled torrent. And debauchery means a behavior that shows a lack of concern for the consequences of an action totally unrestrained. 
and maligned. <laughs> that word in the Greek is blasphemeo. It's where what the word we get, blasphemy. So when the world is maligning the church of Jesus, they're speaking blasphemy against God. So the world is critical of us. Peter's very concerned about our calling. Our calling in Jesus to, to, to two things. One is to obedience to Him. And the second thing is a call to be holy, to be different than the world, right? If you read through the first letter of 1 Peter in the first part of chapter 1, Peter lays this out and he says that we're called, we're chosen by God the Father, right? And we're made alive in Christ. We're sanctified by the Spirit. And all of those things point to our obedience in Christ. Chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, we're to be obedient unto Christ. And then secondly, that's who we are in Christ. That's who we are. And then Peter goes on to talk about what we have. What we have in him. We have a living hope, right, through the resurrection of Christ. We have a real assurance. That's that vision that we have that the world doesn't have. We have a real assurance of eternal salvation and, and inheritance. And we're guarded, Peter says, by God's power. You may not realize this, but that word guarded, it has two uses. For one, it can be used to guard against external. It was a military term. It can be used to be guarded against external attack, but it can also be used uh, to keep one from escaping. So it, when Paul was... You know, the, the governor in Acts, it talks about the governor posting a guard so that Paul might be seized, to keep him from escaping. God's guarding us from escaping out of his kingdom because of his power and presence of his Holy Spirit, right? And that should be an encouragement to us. It's a call to be holy. Call to obedience, call to be holy. We who are in Christ who we are and what we have in Him should have a bearing on how we live. It should have a bearing on how we live today. We no longer live for ourselves. We live in the knowledge of our new life. Peter says we've been made alive in Christ. And we live in the knowledge of our new destiny, which is our internal uh, inheritance in Him. So we know something the world doesn't know. Isn't that right? We know something the world doesn't know. Well, the world is ignoring and ridiculing, persecuting the church. We know that Christ is at work in our very lives. And no matter what it looks like out the window, when we look out there and see all of this stuff going on, Christ is at work out there as well, right? Because God's purposes will not be thwarted. We know something that the world doesn't know. We know the reality of Christ's return. We know he's coming back. We know the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ will return as judge and as redeemer. And we know that as a fact. So that has a bearing on how we live today. Peter wants his readers to understand that their circumstance is not a surprise to God. He says, you are the exiles, the sojourners, chosen exiles, all right, dispersed throughout, right? And God's not surprised, according to, right, the foreknowledge of God the Father. He's not surprised. Matter of fact, he's, you're right where he wants you to be. 
You're right where he wants you to be, no matter what it looks like out there, okay? And, and we're there in order to live out our calling, our calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter mentions calling five times in this letter, five times. In chapter 1 of verse 15, he says, we're called to be holy, right? He who has called you is holy, therefore you be holy. And holiness does not just mean separated, right, from evil, from sin. It means consecrated to. So we're separated from and we're consecrated to Christ in all that we do, all that we say. In 2.9, in, uh, we're called to proclaim or testify, right? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, who made you alive when you were dead. In 3.15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that's within you. That's that forward-looking reality. The Christian hope is not saying, I hope that Ole Miss repeats as national champions this year, right? The Christian hope is that we have the certainty of God's promises as demonstrated through redemptive history, and we know that His plan will be realized and fulfilled. We're called to share in Christ's suffering and His mission. 2.21, for this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. And we're called to endure and remain faithful, no matter what. 5.10. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you in His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. So the Christian calling is a call to take notice and to take action. Let's look at our verse for today. Verse 13, chapter 1. Preparing your minds for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is Paul, uh, Peter saying when he says, preparing our minds for action? Okay. In the Greek, that literally means gird up the loins of your mind. It's a little bit, uh, it's kind of like a flood of debauchery. You, know, you, you kind of dig into that, right? Gird up the loins of your mind. And you, and you guys know this, that the robes that were worn in that day, you, 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 you pull them up and you secure them with a belt and, and so forth so you can move quickly, so you can be prepared to move quickly, right? And, and so there's many examples of this. First Kings 8, I think, talks about Elijah. You know, he girds up his loins so he can, so he can move. Um, prepares one for running. For quick action. What Peter's saying is we got to be ready for immediate action in the service of Christ. In the context in which we live. As we see how God's at work, we should be prepared to participate in that. Right? Being sober-minded, don't be mentally lazy. Get control is what that means. Sober up. We know something that the world does not know. We know something that the world does not know. It's a serious consideration of our circumstances in light of God's purpose, God's provision, 
God's power, that we are to be engaged in ministry. Peter's saying don't lose your spiritual concentration by being intoxicated by the things of this world. It's a matter of perspective and it's a, it's a heart issue. Peter's exhorting us to take notice, to take action, being spiritually alert so we can see when that person is, has a need that we're there to minister to them in the name of Christ. When that person has a situation that we can uh, lean into, that we can uh, support them, be ready to spring into action, to participate in the kingdom mission. At Get Well, here we describe this as encountering God's glory and pursuing Jesus together uh, and engaging with the Holy Spirit in his mission, right? But to do that, you have to be obedient and you have to be, you have to be pursuing holiness because you've got to have a close fellowship with the Father, right? So he can speak to you about what's going on so you can take action, right? Now, when we talk about being holy and being obedient and all this, is not a checklist of, hey, I did this and I've done that, and now God loves me more. It's not what Peter's saying. Peter's saying it's by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that we are able to do this, and grace permeates this letter. Grace and peace, the letter's bracketed by that. The very first uh, salutation to the closing greeting, and it runs all the way through. Uh, one one, grace and peace. Three seven talks about heirs of the grace of life. Uh, Four ten, he speaks of God's varied grace. Five ten, the God of all grace, and five twelve, the true grace of God. So we're not only saved by God's grace; we're sanctified by God's grace. Peter knows uh, that uh, we're not perfect. And, you know, we broke this uh, opening first two verses down in our class on Sunday. If you ever notice that Peter puts this, he, he kind of tacks on this sprinkling of blood on the end of that, right? And one thing we pointed out is the sprinkling of the blood in the Old Testament when the blood was sprinkled on the people happened three times. And, and one was at Sinai in the, in the initial, initial uh, giving of, of the covenant. The other was the dedication, the, the ordination of Aaron and the priesthood. And the third was the purification ceremony for the leper. So the leprosy was a skin disease that prevented someone from having communion and, and worship with the people of God, with the covenant people. And what Peter's saying is the sprinkling of Jesus not only bring, makes us alive, not only forgives us when we're saved, but forever forever makes us clean so that we can have fellowship with the Father and we can have fellowship with each other as we worship and serve Him, right? We're not only saved by God's grace, but our sanctification, our growing in obedience and holiness is the result of grace and the very grace that God is at work in us as we lean into our calling, a calling that urges us to take notice and to take action. Thank you.